the Ghost Goal Podcast. Arsenal suffered yet another setback in their quest for the title as they fell behind by two goals to bottom of the table Southampton at the Emirates before clawing themselves back to earn a still disappointing draw heading into their pivotal clash with surging champions Manchester City on Wednesday. Meanwhile Tottenham's top four hopes were left hanging by a thread as they suffered a heavy 6-1 defeat at the hands of fellow Champions League hopefuls Newcastle United on Sunday. So we've got all that plus plenty of other Premier League action to discuss uh, and a little FA Cup semi-final uh, action in this week's episode as we're looking at our first Manchester Derby in FA Cup final history coming up in June. I'm Alex here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Call Podcast, episode 406. It's yet another draw, Javier. Three in a row now. Uh, it was against the bottom of the table, Southampton. Uh, h- how's the confidence heading into uh, such a big game on Wednesday? It's not high, Alex. It's not high. Um... I gotta admit that uh, that three three draw took a lot out of me in terms of how I thought this team was going to be going forward for the rest of the season. You know, my confidence in them is shaken a little bit. I think Thomas Partey now has thrown basically three stinkers in a row, three very bad performances from him in midfield. Um, Granit Xhaka, even though he was missing in this, has not been great as well. He's you know run out of steam a little bit. This team's mostly just been carried by Gabriel Martinelli and Gabriel Jesus's resurgence as well. Um, but Martinelli's been absolutely unbelievable. Has to be in the team of the season. I mean, he's, to put it into perspective, he's one goal away, I think, from the record for most goals a Brazilian player scored in the Premier League. So I know that that's not a lot. I think he has 15 right now, so 16 is the record. So if he gets 17, I think he breaks it and... Uh, I think he'll do that. I think he'll do that this season the way he's playing right now. But it all's just gonna have to come together at Manchester City, Alex. You know, I don't I don't know how. And and, and well, I have one I have one like well, kind of like, well, let's, be, like let's save let's I have save one, the previous. I, yeah, I, that's fair. Let's talk about we can talk about the game. We can talk about I, I, the I'm asking about the confidence. The, I mean this this, because, this game was you know, a, it was a freak it was of shaky nature. Against it was a freak of nature error from Ramsdale. I don't know if you can say or maybe specifically for Ramsdale, maybe, maybe you're right, but I, I don't think this game was in itself, like as a team performance, a freak of nature result. It, it kind of reminded me of that Bournemouth game, and you guys were able to produce like the the amazing moment at the. We should have gotten the winner win that one. This. That Trossard well, shot off the hit the crossbar. That's incredible. Well, yeah, I was gonna say that one, and then the uh, the, the Jesus the, no, chance the, the, as well. The uh, Reese Nelson chance that Ward Prowse got his foot in front of to block and put just wide. Like I, I was thinking as that fell to Reese Nelson, I was thinking, no, holy shit, there's no way he's going to do it again. And, you know, he almost does. But the, the margins are so fine. I, I'm comparing those two games just because it's similar level of opposition, you know, two relegation threatened sides. The Bournemouth have kind of shown to be more of a threat uh, overall this season. The two early goals, the goal in the Bournemouth game, I think was like 30 seconds into it. And then there was another goal within the first minute in this game when uh, Ramsdale just handed Southampton the ball. 30 seconds in, yeah. 30 seconds, yeah. And Alcaraz is able to finish well, but it's a it's a purely an un uh, an unenforced error on Arsenal's part, and specifically Ramsdale's part. 
to allow that that first goal and just you know sets the whole game off on the wrong foot we, we were considering this game as just like a chalk it up easy three points for arsenal a little bit of a confidence booster heading into such a big title uh deciding clash on wednesday and instead it's yet another disappointing draw for arsenal like three in a row now uh, do you th- are there any easy fixes that can be made or is it truly just down to william saliba's fitness uh, like, because that's what seemingly I mean, everyone it, seems it, to be looking at. It feels like everyone except for the attack is shitting the bed right now. I know we had just so many chances again in this. Just Gabriel Jesus himself had, uh, you know, a goal and a half of expected goals. He had, you know, three basically sitters that he missed in this game. And Saka didn't play particularly well in the first half. Really, you know, picked it up in the second half. The whole team picked it up in the second half, but. You know, those being down two nil when you were the other team was base hadn't basically been down the pitch the whole time was insane. You know what I mean? In front of your home fans, it just it, it was such a crazy occurrence. The fact that we were able to pull a point out of it and almost get the winner, it does feel a little bit positive in that sense. You know, because we didn't lose this game. I thought we were going to lose it. I thought there was no chance we were going to get anything out of the game. It, it wasn't our day. You know, we were being sloppy in midfield, giving away the ball sometimes. Um, Honestly, Saliba, yeah, while he gives us much more assuredness at the back, he's definitely the you know one of the best defenders in the Premier League uh, this year while he's been fit. You know, this injury, if he can still play, at least, I don't think he's going to play in the Manchester City game, or should and should he, but he maybe can make it for this Newcastle game. Um, that would be, that'd be very nice if he could actually play in that, but... Well, do you want to hear a proposed... Uh quick fix from a Chelsea fan. So, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. But so my proposed quick fix for, uh, you know, your defense, your midfield and just Arsenal's overall ability to, you know, progress the ball from the from the back from Ramsdale to get it to that excellent forward line is literally just including Jorginho from the beginning. And there's two ways that this uh, could, I think, quickly fix Arsenal. Number one is, like you said, Xhaka and Partey are not exactly excelling in midfield right now. Uh, in this Southampton game, Fabio Vieira was brought in for Xhaka. Oh, he was awful as well. I didn't even talk well, about but him. I can, I can see like the intent behind that because you know Southampton are bottom of the table. You're thinking, okay, we'll get a chance to get another attacking player on uh, in Vieira, who I don't think has looked terrible in like the limited chances he's gotten. I say and awful, big... but he just hasn't been at the level of everyone else on the team. Right, yeah, and it's understandable. He's young in a new league, not playing uh, very consistently. Uh, so I can see the intent behind that, but I think instead you could play Jorginho, and instead of having uh, Zinchenko, who admittedly has been very good at you know coming central into midfield and basically being the initiator of uh, everything at the back between you know the two center backs Ramsdale and the base of midfield Zinchenko has been the player in the base of midfield pretty much doing that job that Jorginho was so used to doing at Chelsea and when he like first came into Arsenal when you guys you know needed a bit of a boost with Partey out injured play Jorginho in that role instead and allow Zinchenko to go out wide and play where he de- definitely excelled in uh, very large spurts for City during seasons where they won the league and frankly, didn't really have a better left back option uh, uh, than Zinchenko. They eventually brought in Cancelo, and he can play left or right back. But Zinchenko is still a very good player, 
at playing Jorginho the base is very midfield good at the Emirates or, or, against Manchester or playing City. Down the wing. I'm just saying Zinchenko like can excel as a left wing back who, you know, hugs the wing a little bit more, combines with Martinelli and gets forward himself. He doesn't have to just be this inverted midfielder playing left back who can step up like th- that was clearly what Ramsdale was trying to play uh, when he gave the ball away in the first minute for their opening goal. He had two options open as the the left center back, Gabriel, and holding it right center back that he could have just knocked the ball out to instead of playing it right into Southampton's trap that they'd set up. So I- I- I'm not necessarily blaming Zinchenko for that. I'm just saying it seems like teams have started to focus in on that and formed like a shell around the middle of the field to stop Arsenal from getting the ball to Zinchenko because that's been working so well for them in the earlier part of this season. Now, Arsenal can make a little tweak and, you know, still play a, a player who's very adept in, in Jorginho who can drop into that space, pick the ball up, beat a man and turn and play the ball forward. And teams are going to have to have something different to contend with. They won't be able to just zero in on this one player who's been uh, in Zinchenko who's been doing this so well. Now, all of a sudden, they've got to consider his threat out wide while also trying to press a team that has Jorginho at the base of midfield. You can still keep Partey in the lineup. Jorginho and Partey at the base of that midfield, I think, would be a very viable option for the City game. Jorginho started the Champions League final against Manchester City. He's not like a defensive zero, like many people try to make him out to be. He can he can be a very uh, valuable asset against this Manchester City team and release some pressure. So, I really think that's something that Arteta has to consider. It's it, That's the quickest fix I can think of. I might bench Partey and go uh, Jorginho, Xhaka, Odegaard in midfield. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably bench Xhaka, to be honest. I, I still feel like you need Partey's I think we need defensive focus. I think his okay. like defensive and offensive balance in the team so far this season has been absolutely key. His leadership on the field, his physicality, his uh, presence on set pieces, everything. I mean, he's he's the, the complete deal so far this season. And when he's been on form, he's been one of the best midfielders in the league. Um, he's been scoring goals, getting assists, getting in the box late, um, and producing you know, not, not, not getting cards or, or producing dumb tackles or free kicks, really. You know, he's occasionally, you know, did something like ignite the crowd at Anfield. That was, you know, something like what Granit Xhaka does. But like you said on the pod, then that could have been something positive, you know, at home. That's the type of thing that he can offer you. And we've really yeah. missed that um, in this last game against Southampton. I feel like if he was in midfield instead of Vieira, there's no way that there's, you know, that that, that game turns out the way that it does. I don't think we go down 2 0. Uh, I think I having Vieira there was, was a hole. I know, you, I know what you mean, but I, I think that might just be a bit too like defensively lightweight to play it specifically against Manchester City. Uh, again, we can get into the preview for that a little bit later on this one. Okay, uh, well, yeah, we'll uh, we'll come back to Arsenal uh, in a little bit, obviously, to talk about that giant Manchester City away game they have on Wednesday. Uh, but I do just want to mention for Southampton, obviously, this is like a hugely disappointing result for Arsenal's title hopes, but I think this is just as disappointing result for Southampton. They had a two-goal lead twice against the leaders, choked it with two minutes left. Like they, 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 It was 3-1 in the 87th minute, 88th minute, Odegaard uh, gets the, the Arsenal's second goal, and then Saka against, eventually gets the equalizer. Now, granted, they were like hanging on for a lot of that second half, but still, for a club in their position, you know, bottom of the table... I think uh, four points off of safety at the moment. 
they really could have used a win in that one. So uh, I think this is just as like harmful of a result for Southampton, even though there was a good effort behind them scoring three goals at the Emirates and you know almost beating Arsenal. Um, does does this result give you any hope at all for Southampton to stay up? Let me tell you that Lavia kid is unbelievable. He is so good. He bossed it in midfield. Him, uh, Alcaraz looked really good. It was kind of a bizarre decision for the uh, manager to take off Alcaraz at halftime. Alcaraz had a golden assist and was you know nigh unplayable, playing really well, and he took him off at halftime. And then Southampton went into a complete defensive shell and just let off half of the ball in the second half, and it it completely changed the game. It was a very very weird decision that the Southampton manager made. And, uh, yeah, it, I, I don't have hope for Southampton because of that. Um, I think they should have lost the game because they did that. But if they'd kept Alcaraz on, they could have scored, you know, another goal or two, would have kept a big threat on the whole second half instead of just having Walcott drop deep and basically become useless without Alcaraz up there with him. Yeah, he's uh, Alcaraz is a really interesting player. I think you first brought him up when Southampton signed him because Benfica had him like tabbed as you know the replacement for Enzo Fernandez. Now the the Enzo deal ended up getting pushed back in January, so Southampton were able to nip in there and get him and he he's had some big goals. I think he scored a big goal against uh, Wolves, but they eventually lost that one. Um he's yeah, he's a very promising uh, young player. Let's move on to something that you and I can both get behind. Well, to a degree. Tottenham got absolutely smacked up at, uh, up at Newcastle. They uh, conceded five goals in the first 21 minutes of the game after switching to a back four and eventually brought off Hugo Lloris at halftime, down 5-0, uh, got one back through Harry Kane, and then uh, Callum Wilson scored in the 67th minute to maintain or uh, get back that five-goal advantage for Newcastle. Do you uh, want to so know Newcastle- when was the last time, Alex, Tottenham lost like this? No, please enlighten me. Was it uh, the... Uh, what game am I thinking? It was thinking? the last St. Totteringham's Day. The last time we had that. I believe it was the 2015-2016 season. I think it's been six or seven years that Tottenham have finished above Arsenal. And it was that season where they were supposed to be be in the, the, the title race with Leicester. And then they ended up finishing third. And on the last day, a relegated Newcastle beat them 5-0 or 5-1, oh, something really? like that. So yeah. the same team and everything. Exactly. And uh, it was at St. James's as well. So, uh, you know, just incredible result for Newcastle. You know, uh, Tottenham Hots were played four at the back here, and they were down 4-0 20 minutes in. I think at that point, they reverted back to a back 5-0. five. 5 Five nil, nil okay. twenty one minutes yeah, just in. Ridiculous. I mean, they were they were down four nil nineteen minutes in, and then Isaac scored again two minutes later in the in the twenty first minute. But yeah, just unbelievably bad result. Must just shatter the confidence. And uh, I don't know. I don't know why Tottenham fired Conte. I mean, that speech obviously is why. But Conte wanted to be fired. That's why. I, yeah. I, I don't know. But why I feel they like they just imploded meant- their season, and they could finish below Villa, Liverpool, and Brighton now. You know. Oh, absolutely. But here's the thing. I'm not putting a the final nail in the coffin yet for their uh, title hopes because they do still have this Man United game uh, at home. You mean Champions on League hopes, not title hopes. Yeah, sorry. Champions League. Absolutely. Um, a little bit of chat like here. They still have that Man United game on Thursday. Man United, uh, while I believe they have two fewer games played than Tottenham. Yeah, Man United have only played... Uh, 
30 games, Tottenham have played 32, and Tottenham are six points behind Manchester United. If they can somehow manage to turn things around completely and get a win in that and pull it back to three, then you can't say they're they're completely out of it just yet. But, they have one win in their last five games. That's yeah, no, I know. Not top I'm, not, four I'm, not, at all. I'm not. I'm not predicting it to happen at all. I'm sticking with my top four of uh, Manchester United, Newcastle, Arsenal, and Man City. What I'm saying is they can't pull out something like that four at the back that they tried on, on earlier today, Sunday, just out of nowhere like this. It's like one of the toughest games in the league, uh, like fixture yeah, schedule this season. They've been playing, they've been playing stupid. three at the back under Conte all season, even maintained that when Stellini stepped in as the interim manager, when Conte had health problems earlier this season. Now, all of a sudden in one of the toughest games of the, of the league campaign, one of the biggest games of the, the league campaign against a direct rival for top four, Tottenham shift to four at the back with Pape Sar and uh, Hoiberg at the base of midfield, uh, with uh, Perisic playing left back in a back four. Now, I think people all agree that he's a very good left wing back option playing in a back five, but he, when you have that lesser defensive or you know defensively focused player in the back three to cover for Perisic, you, you, it's almost like playing with ten men. You know, do you, when you do don't you think uh, Stellini saw Villa? win with like a 4-2-3-1 and was like, ah, I can do that as well. Like, we're yeah, better than us in Villa. The problem is Villa play with like a 4-2-3-1 at times, but it's also a like an inverted 4-4-2 or what you, like if you play FIFA, they usually name it as a 4-2-2-2 with uh, two deep midfield players, two inverted uh, wide players who are usually like midfielders like McGinn or Ramsey who, you know, drop into midfield and uh, help out defensively. And then with Buendia and Watkins up top. And now Buendia and Watkins can drift out to either wing and fill whatever space is necessary. So they don't really need real wingers. Tottenham, their whole width has been provided by attacking wingbacks who have the license to get forward, like Perisic and Pedro Porro. Now you lessen their license to get forward when you play with a four at the back, uh, with them included in that four. You'd rather have the three defenders cover more space, uh, fill up those channels a little bit to to cover for when Poro and Perisic like inevitably get caught forward at time from time to time. And it wasn't even going that well when they were playing the three at the back, uh, like leading up to this. So from that standpoint, you can kind of understand why they thought there might be need for a change, but just to choose this game to introduce it was just wild to me. Uh, and also another factor I want to add to that is that when you haven't been playing a four at the back uh, as often, the players in front of that back four, the midfielders and forwards, they're not used to the level of intensity that's required to press the opposing team and keep them from playing direct balls just and popping balls in behind your your defensive line. And Newcastle will be able to do that like so easily. Like the whole point of giving up that back that that player from the back three in favor of a midfielder is so that you have the numbers in midfield and the forward line to pressure the ball further up and prevent that kind of like early service over the top. Now Tottenham got none of the pressure on the ball and they got absolutely carved to pieces as a result. That that second goal, Joe Ellington's goal, six minutes in, is a complete like travesty for any team like at Tottenham's level to concede. It was so simple. Char just they just, like he, they just lost at home to Bournemouth before this too. So this is two like devastating results for Tottenham. 
Tottenham aren't turning it around, man. Absolutely. They're about to go get piped by United. They they drew relegation fodder in uh, Everton and Southampton before that. So, yeah, it's not looking good for them. They have the one win against Brighton that, you know, was kind of against the run of play and they were lucky to get. Um, But, yeah, they need to turn around soon. I'll put the final nail in the coffin if they lose at home to United on Thursday. But before then, you, you can't quite count them out just yet because you know Kane is still playing well Son is scoring goals pretty more frequently now than he was under Conte he wasn't doing anything under Conte it's not the forward line that's the problem it's definitely the defense and they they got to figure something out soon I mean as for Newcastle though god damn like I like I feel very pleased that I stuck by them even in their moment of uh, jeopardy back in January or February I just knew once they got Bruno Guimaraes back, once Isaac came back from injury, he'd be another weapon to add to uh, Callum Wilson and Miguel Almiron. And they've, uh, they've they've paid off. I mean, I'm not happy that, you know, that's, you know, the latest, uh, you know, state back club is going to get into the Champions League this soon. It, it definitely makes things tougher for me as a Chelsea fan. But just the way they were playing, how solid their defense has been, and now they've added goals back to their repertoire. I, I, I almost put them at Manchester City and Arsenal level of like assuredness that they're going to qualify for Champions League next season. Do you think that's insane? Do you think there's still any sort of risk that they fall off and don't qualify? Yeah, I think they could be. They could definitely fall off next year. I think they're going to make big I, money. I'm, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about next year. I'm talking about the remainder of this season in terms of their oh, chances no, of getting season, into top four. I think this season they'll maintain their form. But I think if they make some big money signings and things, you know, personalities get brought into the squad, I think there could be more erratic results in this Newcastle team. But the way that Eddie Howe has them coach right now, the players he has in the team, there's obvious upgrades where he can make. And I think he'll be making them this summer. And this team's only going to look a lot better uh, on paper. And we'll see. We'll see the. I don't know what level they can reach. I'm saying this now because, but they've been only lost four games this season, which is fairly incredible. So Manchester City have only lost four games and Arsenal only three. So they, they've they been up there with uh, the hardest teams to beat this season. Yeah, they've gone from you know, a relegation battle that last season. They brought in Eddie Howe and he turned their, their form around. But midway through last season, they were in a relegation battle. They've gone from that to, you know, one of the surest bets to qualify for the Champions League. And that would be the first time in 20 years that they've they've qualified I think it was Sir Bobby Robson was the manager last time they they qualified. So it's going to be uh, insane, but uh, Newcastle fans can look forward to Champions League uh, football back at St. James's Park next season. All right, what other games do we want to hit on? Maybe this uh, Liverpool-Nottingham Forest game and kind of tie that into the, the Liverpool like drubbing of Leeds in midweek last, uh, last week because we didn't get to cover that one. Are Liverpool fixed, Javier? No, I mean, this is clearly, you know, players like Yelta coming back in the team, Luis Diaz, you know, this team's gotten healthy again. And playing Trent Alexander-Arnold at the base of midfield's also been, uh, you know, added depth to midfield, moved, you know, and made them, I think, a little bit more solid defensively because they aren't relying on Trent as the sole, you know, he's not getting attacked by wingers constantly throughout the game like he was before. And he's his ball distribution to midfield just adds a lot more threat to the, you know, mass array of attacking talent at Liverpool right now. Um, I think during the summer they're going to have to make some midfield signings. They can't keep playing, you know, Elliot, 
Pietic and um, Curtis Jones. Yeah, and uh, Curtis Jones. So they can't keep playing all of those, you know, youngsters and uh, expecting to be winning the league with, uh, you know, I, I think they need more experience and more more work rate or, you know, a, at least one or two players to, to come in and add more competition to that team because Thiago can't stay fit. Henderson, I think, is, is you know, maybe a little bit past it or needs more of a bench role. Fabinho as well, he's not, he just hasn't been nearly as good this season. So they definitely need a refresher in midfield. Um, and I think they, they they have a great back line. You know, they need maybe need another right back to uh, add competition, but I don't they know if they have a great Robertson back line. Simicass. I mean, they have Konate, Van Dyke, Matip, and um, Matip, Gomez, and one more player, right? Gomez is crap. Uh, Matip's yeah, probably, probably leaving. Gomez. Matip's probably leaving. Konate uh, is, you know, very often injured for long periods of time, and you know, Van Dyke is uh, not the same player he was before that injury. I, I think it's fair to say that at this point, while he's still uh, their best defender and a good defender, I, I don't think he's the same world class, like unstoppable or Im- immovable object that he he, he was before. So, so yeah, I, I think. I think their attack may be fixed with, you know, the return of uh, Jota, Salah picking up his form, Gakpo looking more settled in the league, and we'll probably expect him to improve next season. And then obviously the return from uh, injury from uh, Luis Diaz. And I haven't even mentioned Darwin Nunez, who still hasn't lived up to the price tag just yet, but he's he's having a, a decent season uh, overall, scoring, you know, not too far apart, uh, not going on too long of scoring droughts and still looks like a threat. And he's another one like Gakpo you would ex- expect to, you know, take another step next season. So their attack is not the problem at all. And, and frankly, it's probably the most promising part of their team. They're still giving up goals like the uh, the Nico Williams goal. That, I mean, I should mention they beat Nottingham Forest on uh, Saturday afternoon uh, 3-2 at home. But they had the lead uh, twice to begin with. Nottingham Forest equalized uh, both times. And then uh, Salah eventually uh, scored the winner with about 20 minutes left. But Nottingham Forest, obviously like a relegation-threatened team, they were you know, just as aggressive away from home, uh, looking to, to strike when the moment came, uh, as you know, like Southampton were against Arsenal and uh, plenty of other relegation-threatened teams have showed against better opposition this season. Uh, but th- there's still just some lapses in uh, decision-making from their, their defending players' Uh, positionally, and they, they give away too many chances, even when they have like eighty-one percent of possession, like they did in this Nottingham Forest game. Uh, so I, I don't know if they're completely fixed just yet. Uh, they're definitely making good strides uh, to try and sort of like cling on to the very little hope they have of of Champions League. But who knows? Maybe they can get like a Europa League spot or Europa Conference League, and they can use those games in like a lesser European league to rotate and get players like Curtis Jones and, and Bicetic some more experience in top level football. And it doesn't really matter if they do well in those secondary uh, European competitions, if they have their first team players relatively fresh to go out every week in the Premier League and, you know, make sure that they definitely get Champions League and who knows, maybe even challenge for the league next season. So it's a step in the right direction for Liverpool to win this game. Um, but uh, not anywhere close to fixed just yet. All right, do we want to just quickly mention these uh, 
FA Cup semifinals. Uh, just the results were Manchester City beating Sheffield United 3-0 on Saturday and Man United squeaking by uh, Brighton uh, earlier today on Sunday, uh, winning on penalties after a 0-0 draw. So it's going to be the first ever Manchester derby in the FA Cup final. Uh, I, for one, am kind of excited about that. I was kind of hoping Brighton would win that game and go through to the final and, and try and win a trophy to kind of put the cherry on top of such a great season that they've been having under Deserby, but it's not to be. And, you know, our our, uh, our prize instead is Pep versus Ten Hag, Manchester United versus Manchester City. They beat each other once during the Premier League fixtures this season. So while City are favorites, you'd say if Man United can get players healthy, it should be a great, great final, final and they should they should have a good chance. I'm excited for that one because, I mean, they, like – like you said, there, this has never happened before. We've never had a Manchester Derby in the uh, in the FA Cup final, and this is going to be a historic game. Ten Hag's had, a, I think, a, a a great season as his first season. You know, taking this team from, I think, historic lows last year with, uh, you know, the, the freezing out Ronaldo from the team, having that moment of you know, this is my team and we're going to play my way and you're going to be on the bench or you're going to leave. And, and he ended up getting him out, um, canceling that contract and not having to pay all that money to him and having him there this season. It's completely salvaged their season and took it to, uh, you know, almost assuredly getting into the Champions League this year. So, you know, just impressive overall from United this year. If they can get a FA Cup and get Champions League, that's, that's an awesome season for them, I think. And it brings a good feel back to the club and players will want to go back there because it'll be a, it'll be a project that's on the up again. Right. Yeah. That will be uh, Saturday, June 3rd. Uh, I think that's good that they're moving the uh, FA cup final back to after the last week of the, uh, the premier league season for the, the last couple of years, they've had it with like two or three weeks left to go in the premier league season. It just doesn't, doesn't really feel right. That's usually like the, the, the ending uh, game of the the season in England at least and then there's obviously the Champions League final looking ahead we've got uh, straight up previews for you because there are a whole host of midweek games this week uh, I've picked out four that I think are the most intriguing we've given a mention to this Manchester City Arsenal game earlier in the pod but it's time Javier your analysis final prediction how do you think it's going to go I mean it- I have to say, I think Arsenal are going to win, right? But I don't. I don't actually think they're going to win. I think it's going to go. I think it's going to be a three-three draw. I think it's going to be a three-three draw. Um, I think it's going to be a wild game. If you look at our last few games, we've been good for three, four, five goals in every single game we've played. It's not going to be any different against Manchester City. We're our attackers are unstoppable right now, so that's not the problem. It's going to be, you know, keeping out the the monstrous attack that Manchester City have. And I could see them scoring two or three goals on us. So I could see a 3-3 draw. I could see Arsenal winning 3-2. I could see City winning 3-2. I'd say bet the over on this one. Yeah, definitely bet the over. Um, I, I don't have a ton of analysis on it, Alex, because... You know, I think if we start Jorginho, I'd I'd like the the bet's the biggest thing that I'd want to see in the lineup. Um, maybe Partey, Jorginho, you know, but I think Xhaka is very important to the team. So maybe I don't know. I I, I don't know how you fit all of them. You know, Partey's hasn't been 
very good these last few games, and I, I kind of think he deserves to be benched right now. Um, I, I think the other player who, who's been awesome for us the entire season and didn't deserve to be benched at all was, was Trussard. You know, he's been so good for us, even coming off the bench, but, you know, he was playing so well, and I know Jesus has gotten four goals in three games, but Trussard had, you know, just been bossing it, and we'd been winning every single game at False Nine. Jesus has come into the team. He's been scoring goals, but we've been drawing games, so... You know, it's uh, the results haven't been as good under with Jesus in the team. So you it, say it, that, but like you big, said, he's big, also scoring big, goals. It's the defense right. that are the problem, and yeah, like it's exactly, not Jesus's fault. Exactly. It's not Jesus's fault that Ramsdale's passing the ball directly to Alcaraz in the first minute. You know, absolutely, absolutely. So it, the defense is shitting the bed, and we can't shit the bed against Manchester City. We can't have any of those errors. Maybe it was good that we've gotten these errors out of the way, that we've had these shitty... The, the one thing that really gives me hope for this game, that we could actually win this game, is that so far under Arteta, except for that you know one run of games where we were really, really shit for like 10 games, we only won one game, the, the United game. For the most part under Arteta, we've had a lot of good runs, but when we've had bad runs, it's been bad runs of three games. It's been three game runs of like maybe like loss, draw, loss, or like loss, loss, loss. And then the fourth game, we usually win. Yeah, but the fourth so, game Alex, isn't usually at the Etihad against a Manchester City team that's playing this well. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I'm so, thinking no, it's going to be 4-2 right. four, four Manchester City. Entertaining, high scoring, like you said. You, you guys have four sp- goals. Yep, four goals. Four times. Southampton scored three at the Emirates. Two were flukes. Flukes. You drew against West Ham the previous week after having a two goal lead, and you drew at Liverpool having a two goal lead. Liverpool can score two against you. Probably should have should have scored four themselves. I was I was deciding between picking four two Manchester City or five three Manchester City. We both agree this is going to be high scoring and City are, you know, all the way revved up to like sixth gear. They're they're right up in the peak of their form right now. I'm they have they have their system figured I'm out and they're, they're, they're not going to go. score more than three goals on us. OK, then three, three it is. But I think it, it, the, the table tells the tale. You guys need to win this game to wrestle back control of your destiny with the title. If City get a draw on this one, then they have two games in hand. They get two wins in those two games. They jump ahead of you by a point. So you guys need to be aiming to win this one. And if and with that in mind, that's why I think City can score even more than you may anticipate because Arsenal have to be the ones to open themselves I mean, up to push to lose, for man. a win. We've got nothing to lose. This team's overperforming right now. I think we're going to go in there and, and go to the Lions' den and, and win it. I mean, that's what we have to do to win a title, right? This is This is the make-or-break moment. This is the this is where legends are made. This is where you where you put everything down as a as a player. This is the type of game where you, every player dreams of playing in this type of game. It's almost like a one and off for the title. I know that you don't we don't win the title automatically if we win this game, but the psychological advantage, the you know, City being still in the F, FA Cup final, semi, you know, they're going to have a Champions League semi-final with Real Madrid. You know, uh, all of these things are uh going to be weighing on them and if they lose this game with Arsenal they might just let it slip a little bit in the league you know and and that might be enough to to give Arsenal the title so huge this is just a massive game I, I'm can't be more excited can't be more nervous can't be shitting myself more you know just everything at the same time 
Keep the keep the depends adult diapers uh, nearby until Wednesday, Javier. I don't know what's gonna happen if we lose, Alex. I'm gonna be very very sad. Yeah, I would be too. Uh, you'll you you will have not completely choked the league. No pod you... for a month. <laughs> I can't allow that, Javier. Come on. After the season I've been sitting through with Chelsea still coming on here every single week, you're you're definitely uh, and also the shit you've been I will through be as an Arsenal devastated fan. If they you're definitely coming win that back shit. on. All right, let's hit on a couple other games before we close up. Uh, at the bottom of the table, uh, the day before that Man City Arsenal game, there's a, a couple games going on, but the main one will be Leeds versus Leicester. Uh, Leeds are currently one place ahead of Leicester in 16th and one point ahead of them on 29 points, uh, while Leicester are now sitting just outside the relegation zone in 17th place on 28 points after their uh, win against Wolves over the last weekend. Uh, that's that's a huge one for the relegation race. If either team wins, they can you know vault themselves up to closer to West Ham or Wolves's neck of the woods and a little bit further from that relegation zone. Uh, if it's a draw, then both teams are you know still right in the thick of it. Um, and you know similarly to that, on uh, Thursday there will be uh, Thursday at two forty-five p.m. Southampton will be hosting Bournemouth. Now we've mentioned Southampton are bottom bottom of the table. It's an absolute must-win for them. They've had plenty of must-wins, you know, leading up to this. But Bournemouth are in fifteenth place on thirty-three points, nine points ahead of Southampton. But uh, Southampton need to win to obviously give themselves uh, a, a hope of uh, cutting that four-point uh, gap between them and the safety. I mean, they needed Alcaraz for this game, and Alcaraz was yellow-carded, so it's possible that the manager wanted Alcaraz and said to him, you know, listen, I can't have you, I can't afford you getting a yellow in the True. second half, and True. I need you for this Bournemouth game more than more than I need you at this Arsenal game where we already have a lead. So, because he was their best player in the first half, far and away, far and away, and probably one of the best players, if probably the best player on the pitch in the first half. I mean, he was so good. Even, so that sh- that pass Ramsdale gave him, it was still kind of hard. It wasn't an easy chance from there. Like, it wasn't right. a tap-in. And Ramsdale got a hand to it, and it still went in. Right. It wasn't a tap-in. So, like, it, the, his finish was really, really good. And so his pass he gave to Walcott, that was an right. unbelievable pass. Put it on a Unbelievable pass. Yeah. And that run Walcott made as well, I mean, just all of that was uh, was – Really, really good football, so hard to play against, and uh, that's, what, that's what you get in the Premier League from the bottom of the table team. So, if if Southampton can get a result here, that'd be huge. That would uh, that would just throw a wrench into everything and make everyone uh, make that bottom of the table go absolutely crazy. So, Crystal Palace, though, man, the thirty-seven points. Roy Hodgson came in. They were we were talking about them like maybe being relegation zone material. They're they're pretty much safe now. Same with yeah. West Ham. Yeah, definitely. Moyes, Moyes turned it around, too, these last few games. I think they got seven points in their last three games. West yeah. Ham as well, pretty much safe. Yeah, and they're simultaneously in a European semifinal. They're in the uh, Conference League semifinal, I think, against uh, Cercle de Bruges or uh, Club Bruges. Uh, one of the Belgian teams. Hitting form at the right time. Right. Uh, then finally, the the last game to preview I, I do want to mention is Tottenham hosting Manchester United on Thursday at 3.15 p.m. Pretty much a uh, win or give up on top four game for Tottenham at this point. Just the way their form has turned uh, these last like four or five games and with how well Aston Villa and now it looks like Liverpool uh, are playing and, and, and pushing them to, to get into that conversation for the, the, the top four race. 
Tottenham absolutely have to win this one. And Manchester United have looked shaky enough, even despite going through in the FA Cup. Uh, it was very much against, you know, the overall play of the game, which you know, Brighton certainly had uh, more of the chances, more of the possession. United held on and won it on penalties after Solly March uh, missed a penalty in the sudden death uh, phase of those. But they're without Sandro Martinez for the rest of the season. Uh, they, they've been without uh, Varane for a couple games now and saw them go out of the uh, Europa League uh, away at Sevilla. Uh, players like Maguire and Lindelof made uh, big mistakes in the first leg of that game to throw away United's own two-goal lead. And God, then they actually choke top four. They, they could, but the, t- the thing is, Tottenham are in their way, and Tottenham are, you know, even more of chokesters than Manchester United. So it's going to be kind of an interesting matchup between these two teams that aren't in the best of uh, form that we've seen them been in uh, this season at this very moment. Like, which one of them can kind of get their shit I think, together? I think even right a now. draw would be great for Manchester United. It would just keep oh, absolutely. Spurs down. Like I said, it, they it also add, uh, they have two games in hand. Huge gap. Yeah, they would add a big gap with uh, Villa, you know, and with Liverpool. So. 10 point gap, nine point gap, you know, they'd be, they'd be huge favorites for top four at that point. They just need a draw. And I think United, United are good for a draw in this game. I think they'll go, uh, go over there and get like a two, two draw. Yeah. That sounds about right to me. Maybe, maybe a one, one. Cause they both seem to fuck up enough, like giving their, their chances. Um, and uh, both of their, well, Tottenham's confidence they're, they're is at an all time low right now. Do you, do, yeah. But, and, and United are playing Lindelof and Maguire at the back right now. So they're absolute well, trash right now. Well, on Sunday, they played uh, Shaw at left center back with uh, Dalot at left back. They played Juan Basaka at right back. And then Lindelof was the only recognized center back in the team. So it's a little, you know, makeshift Very for United at the moment. All right. Let's wrap things up there. Uh, that, that's uh, long enough. And uh, by the time this comes out, most of those Tuesday games will have uh, kicked off. So uh, if you want to follow Javier on Twitter, you can follow him at JavierRev9. You can follow me, Alex, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at ASMOS92. And you can follow the podcast socials at GhostGoldPod. If you're listening on iTunes, uh, well, Apple Podcasts uh, or Spotify, please go ahead and leave a rating of the pod and a review if possible. Uh, all those new ratings and reviews help new listeners to find the pod and we, we always appreciate it when you guys can help grow this thing enjoy the games this midweek and until next time see you